Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I must warn you, stepping aboard this vessel is consent to be surrounded by dark abnormalities and the clinically obscene. Uh, how long will it take to get to the spa? I wasn't sure how many books to bring. Do not trouble yourself with the journey. The farm cures all. <laughs> show is much ado about nothing but it's always about something because it's about lower decks and we're very happy about lower decks and we love lower decks and we're going to talk about lower decks episode seven hi welcome to positively trek i'm bruce gibson with me as he always is dan gunther dan what's up hey bruce when i heard this the title of this episode much ado about boimler there's a youtube channel i watch and it's this british guy and he always says now, without further ado, let's get to the thing. And then there's like five more minutes of ado after that. And I'm like, dude, there's too much ado, you know, so. Yeah, much ado about Boimler, episode seven of Lower Decks. That's what we're going to talk about. You, Dan, me, and uh, how about somebody will just have breeze into the conversation. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> Katie Nicolau, how are you doing? I am great. How are you guys? Doing, doing good. Doing great. Awesome. I'm so excited to do this. <laughs> awesome. Yes. So listeners to the show may have heard Katie on a past episode, not about Lower Decks, but on our flagship show. And she does the weather forecast videos for Star Trek, Star Wars, Doctor Who, whatever, fandom, even Hamilton. She did yes. one recently for that, if you ever seen those on Twitter. So thanks for joining us, Katie. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks for having me on. You guys are always the best. So I'm so excited to join. Oh, thanks. It's really, really good to have you on again, for sure. Yeah. And so I'm just curious because I haven't talked to you since Lower Decks premiered. So what do you think so far of this series? I really like it. I, I know I've seen some mixed reactions to it and some people say it's hokey. Others say, you know, it's fun. But just in general... I love it because it's so bright and colorful and my still childlike mind is totally drawn to that. And it's just so much fun to watch. I absolutely love it. Bright and colorful. I think that also describes you. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I'm aiming for that. <laughs> well, I want to go ahead and start digging into this episode. Dan, I know, of course, you did a live show with Brandy last night before this recording. So give me your first impressions. Ooh, first impressions. Okay, this is a this is an episode that I think that's an important distinction because first impressions, there were a couple storylines going through this episode where, you know, halfway through the show, I'm kind of going like, I don't know what's going on here. I'm kind of not cool with this. But if we're talking episode as a whole, by the end, I'm going, I think this might be my favorite episode. <laughs> which you know it, it's at least tied for my favorite episode it's right up there so this is one that definitely challenged my expectations 
And I'm sure we'll get into the reasons why later in the show. But yeah, it it definitely uh, wasn't what it appeared to be at first blush, if that makes sense. And then by the end, I'm really digging this episode. Yeah. And just so people know that we are jumping into spoilers right away. So I hope you've seen this episode. (laughs) If not, well, then be spoiled if you want to continue listening. So yeah, like you, Dan, I felt at first I was like, it's not that I wasn't liking it. It was just like, I don't think this is going to be a favorite of mine. But then it started to get really interesting to me. And I think the whole thing starting off with Tendi and the dog was just a little odd to me. What What did you think, Katie? I love the dog character. Oh my gosh. I don't know why. That <laughs> is just, it, when it turned into the cube and just rolled down the hallway, that got me for some reason. Uh, but I, when it started out and it was like morphing into the spider crab dog, I thought, wait, is this like the Halloween episode? Are they going for a horror aspect? Like, how is this going to go? And just like you guys, it, it, I just felt unsettled through the whole episode. Like, this isn't how Starfleet would act. This isn't how these characters would act and react. And then you get to the ending and you're just like, I see what you did there, writers. Good on you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's just go ahead and get to that. What is good on the writers? I think the fact that they high in the insecurities of the characters is something that's really relatable. And that's what I think the just core of Lower Decks is, is it's relatable. So with Boimler, he's like, okay, I want to be normal, but I also want to stand out. And then I do this thing and I just can't stop screwing up. And I'm like, oh, wow, I'm looking in a mirror, aren't I? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and just uh, the way that they make it, make you turn your head at every point, like, wait, did they just say that? Wait, is this really happening? What is going on? And just throwing you off that normal, like, feeling of Star Trek. And then at the end being like, we got you. That, that just, I love that writing style. Yeah, I I really, I was really digging that as well, that kind of, like I said, the challenged expectations. I I do also have to say that sight gag of the dog turning into the cube and then Boimler. Anyway, I I actually did have to pause at that moment because I was laughing so hard I was going to miss the next little bit. That was one of my favorite sight gags they've ever done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and so the dog in particular, I actually really enjoyed that aspect right from the get go. The whole, you know, morphing into like the thing crawling on the roof. And it was great. I, I thought that was really fun. Yeah, because that dog wasn't a real dog. I mean, Tendi cre- created it with like inner carbon or something or I don't even know how you Science-y make that. Stuff. Yeah, <laughs> sciencey stuff. It was like a medical assignment or something. Yeah. The cool part about. OK, so first of all, like. Okay, Tendi has created life (laughs) from nothing, which is crazy. Then by the end of the episode, we learn that it's sentient life too, which is even crazier. But a lot of like the technobabble she was saying during that opening scene is actual real science. She was kind of referencing CRISPR technology and DNA um, sequencing and and. Uh, ed- gene editing, that's the term I'm looking for, that the technology that we actually have now, which she kind of extrapolated and, and somehow grew something from inert carbon, like you said, which uh, that's nuts. That's that's wild. She's Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> and I love how she created the dog without knowing what a dog was or did. <laughs> yes. It's totally feasible that an alien on a ship would hear humans talking about dogs. Like, Sure, we talk about dogs every day and wanting to make one, but like they put in the episode, they don't have dogs on Orion. So why not make it into a weird morphing cube dog that can talk and fly? 
<laughs> and shoot lightning, apparently, which we never yes. saw, but I wanted to. <laughs> I want that ability. Or have like bats or something coming out of its mouth. <laughs> totally. When the guys are just like, Ugh. it's just like, oh, good dog. Like that. It was so funny to see the dog interact with the crew. Mm-hmm. I mean, for her to make a dog, she would have to do some research. So I would think in her research, it would show that dogs don't talk or fly. <laughs> I just looked up a picture and been like, I like that. Let's make that. Yeah. Or they still have the internet in the 24th century. And, you know, she just didn't go to a reputable source on the <laughs> internet. As we know, there's so much on the internet that's fake that, you know, I, I see this is totally plausible. <laughs> Yeah, she was in the Starfleet Wikipedia, and it just wasn't yeah. accurate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Bones wasn't sure exactly what to do with the Tribble, even though it was in Wikipedia, because there's been some experience with Tribbles before, but he didn't believe what Wiki said. He had to figure out himself. Exactly. He did the responsible thing and thought, I'm going to figure out what's happening by myself and not trust the internet. Exactly. Yeah. Like the angry old man he is. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, made me think when we were talking about Tendi creating the dog, if they can create pets like this, maybe that's what Data did with Spot. That's why it had so many different spots. <laughs> oh, that's a headcanon now. Accepted that hand headcanon. I like it. And it's not that it's different spots. He just recreates the spot. He changes Spot. So wait, so are you saying Spot could talk? Oh, possibly. We I just wonder. didn't see that episode. <laughs> oh, see, they missed out on Picard. They could have done that. Spots flying around the ship on one episode. We just never saw it. <laughs> He's like the, the ship's internal defense system just runs around shooting lasers at Q when he pops onto the ship. I think that would make a fantastic side episode. Or at least a novel by Peter David. Yeah, that there would, you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so what else uh, did you guys like about this episode? Because I, one of the things I thought was obviously creepy and strange was this D-14, <laughs> the, the Division 14 ship with all the strange people on it. What did you guys think of that? My first thought was it's an NX-class ship, wasn't it? Yeah, it had, a, it had an NX um, registry number. Uh, I'd like to know like what class they call it, but yeah, I want an Eagle Moss model of it. Like that's what I want. Yeah, that was a cool looking ship. Yeah, like, it had an evil looking vibe to it, but eh, I I was very unsettled. What was it? You know that? You know, now that I just think about, it, was that episode supposed to come out Halloween? Because these episodes came out earlier than planned. I wonder if that was supposed to be a Halloween episode because, you know, it's coming through like some nebula or whatever with lightning and its ship is dark and it's creepy and everything. That would be a great Halloween episode. Yeah. And, and, and again, setting up your expectations with that introduction of it coming out of whatever that was, the ion storm or, or whatever, you know, yeah. that this is some super secret evil organization, which is totally where I thought it was going. And if not that, at least the captain was like this power hungry person yes. that was collecting these people and doing something sinister, which, you know, I was like, oh, no, like, let's not go there again. But that's what I love about this episode is it uses that expectation. Like it it knows what the audience has come to expect, I think, a bit from Star Trek, where it's like, oh, Starfleet's not as good as it was, and there's some evil bits, and the audience is going, oh, no. And the episode goes, ha, gotcha. Like, I love that. I thought that was great. Well, and the fact that the captain was a reference back to the animated series. Yep. <laughs> that was awesome. 
because the animated series does not get the love it deserves. No, but uh, yeah, it's definitely been getting a lot of references in Lower Decks. And yeah, the fact that he's an Adosian, which is Eric's species from the animated series, that was brilliant. Doesn't have that same high-pitched squeaky voice, though. He sounds a lot more regal, I'd say, than Eric's did. <laughs> well, and he's got a cape, you know. And, yes. You know, he's like touching his face like, yes. <laughs> and I love at the end where he's laughing you know when they finally reach the farm planet and he's oh <laughs> they're all like we're weirded out and creeped out by it. and he's just like oh i just like the way i laugh <laughs> <laughs> it was so great like that whole thing was a little weird to me because you know when i see all these starfleet people on the ship and they've all got their issues and you know they keep talking about their freaks or whatever <laughs> it was like starfleet's hiding them i don't know i just felt like that just didn't seem like a very Starfleet thing to do. Yeah, which goes back to what I was saying. Like, that's what we think they're doing, but that's not right. actually the case. I love that. Yeah. You think with like a medical transport ship, like, you don't have to have battle armaments. You don't have to have anything. Spend the extra budget on like a spa or a pool. Keep them comfy during the <laughs> journey. Like, you don't have to just like shove them into a medical thing. But maybe because they did mention it's a long journey. Maybe it has to be like a rough and tumble ship to make it through whatever ion storms are out there then it makes sense that they'd repurpose an old vessel and just use that i do love uh when he says at the end though he's like you know i, I guess we could get paint the ship a different color maybe turn on some lights yeah. <laughs> it's exactly yeah. what i was gonna say yeah i love that part <laughs> well you know because when that started off and and boimler and tendy go in and they see all the quote freaks in there i was like oh my gosh I would so want them to put in like a pike wheelchair type situation. And then all of a sudden they showed one. I was like, oh, there it is. <laughs> and then you get the callback to Voyager with the lizard baby. Oh, my yes. gosh. My gosh. I, I like yelled. My neighbors probably wondered what just happened. So I was like, oh <laughs> that was so perfect. So I've seen people online saying like, oh, it's one of their kids. This is one of their kids that's come here. I don't know that that's the case. Like, is this just some other poor hapless person who flew at warp 10 or something? Or is this one of Paris and Janeway's kids somehow made it to the Alpha Quadrant? <laughs> Either way, I'm happy with it. Yeah, I was wondering that too. I, I didn't think it was one of their kids. But yeah, I thought so awkward if it was. Yeah, because yeah, how would it get to the Alpha Quadrant and and who gave it the name Anthony? That's what I want to know. know. (laughs) (laughs) I just imagine him calling up Janeway, just be like, "We found your son, Anthony. Um, You want to come pick him up?" (laughs) I noticed you left some things out of your official report to Starfleet. Anything you want to add? Because this uh, this lizard thing's telling us quite the story. Oh, man, now I really do wish it is the case. I want that to be one of their kids. There's got to be a fanfic already in progress about this. Oh, I'm sure. Janeway goes to Paris. They found Tony. Yes. <laughs> he was always my favorite. If anyone was going to make it back, it would be him. And Bolana's just standing in the corner like, what? <laughs> Tom it always did weird me out that they just left them behind on that planet like what like how do you how do you know they can even survive in this environment like what is anyway well now you know one of them made it maybe (laughs) oh and going back to the ship then uh it's the ostler which is william ostler 
I'm assuming it's named after. You know, well, you know, Bill, <laughs> Sir William Osler, I looked him up. He's a Canadian physician. He's one of the founding professors of John Hopkins Hospital. Oh, cool. Okay. Oh. So I just wondered if it was named after him. I'm pretty sure that's probably the case. Makes sense. Yeah. Being a medical ship. That's cool. And he's Canadian. Yet another Canadian ship, Dan. Excellent. Right alongside the Vancouver. I, I want Eagle Moss to put a model of that and the Vancouver, and I'll have them both in a place of pride on my shelf. <laughs> I love that they actually, you can tell the writers care about the naming. They aren't just picking a random town in, I don't know, Florida to name it after. It's not the Orlando. It's like something that ties in with what the ship's doing, like something that they would actually do in Starfleet to think about putting the name in. Mm -hmm. Just you can tell that the people who are writing this show are fans. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. So, you know, and speaking, let's stay on the thing about the freaks because then we have Boimler. Uh, Rutherford puts him in his transporter experiment to make it go faster. And Boimler just isn't quite in phase. And he's making that phasing sound as he walks <laughs> around. And You know, my wife hasn't watched all these episodes with me, but this was one I was playing. I didn't even ask her if she wanted to watch it. I just started playing it when she was in the room. And that came on and I was like, oh my gosh, she's going to tell me to turn it off because that phase sound is going to be driving her crazy. I was like, they can't play this whole episode like this. And thankfully... They were eight. Rutherford found a way to turn it off. Was like, well, and was it just me or was that the original series transporter sound effect? Oh, it could be. Yeah. That, that high pitched wine kind of sound. I, I could it see that. Yeah. So yeah. You're right. It seemed a little higher pitched like the original series. Yeah. Mm. That would have been a cool Easter egg. <laughs> and yeah, he's just one millicochran out of phase. You know, it's just cosmetic. It's just cosmetic. <laughs> <laughs> so many just like hints to old like co Mill Cochran and the sounds. Oh, there's so much. It's like an Easter egg hunt every episode. Absolutely. And I like how Boimler says, yeah, I'll help you with your experiment, what you're working on. Just boy me up. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Which, you know, that joke got a really nice callback at the end, of course, with the rescue mission with uh, with Mariner. Boy us up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh those are phrases i'm always gonna say now boy me up and warp me yes That's the other one <laughs> well i love when it's at the end and she's like trying to get him to transport and he goes but it made one weird like that's totally something that would just have not like but it caused this catastrophic thing no no you just say it made someone weird totally realistic <laughs> so what do you guys think of rutherford in this episode because every time we see rutherford in the other episodes he seems to be always playing off attendee but this point he's playing more off of boimler and we're not seeing a whole lot of rutherford but he does become the hero towards the end of the episode well we don't see him all that often i think of the the main characters he's probably the one that gets the least screen time i'd yeah. have to go back and count it out but every time he's on i just like him more and more and that's another thing with this episode is you get to see a shakeup of the typical like character groupings. So I think that they could definitely expand on that and really mix up. It's not just going to be like the Scooby-Doo, okay, Daphne goes with Fred and stuff like that. No, we're going to mix it all up. Everyone's going to have a chance to play off of each other. And that was a good starting point. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I really liked Rutherford in this as well. Like you said, not a whole lot of screen time, but yeah, those new pairings, him and Boimler to start with, then Boimler and Tendi later. Uh, the one Rutherford line I did really like where, you know, right at the beginning with the dog when he says, okay, so guys, this is just a normal dog and Tendi's just messing with us. You know that, right? Like, I don't know. I, I'm just really relating to Rutherford. He's he's just got this kind of folksy charm isn't quite right. But like he, I don't know, he's geeky about things that I would be geeky about. But at the same time, he's kind of a more grounded person than some of the others seem to be. Like he seems a little more grounded than Boimler tends to be, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, in a previous episode, we talked about which character we most relate to, but I think we all relate to certain aspects of all of these characters, at least those main four lower deck characters. But if I remember correctly, Dan, you related more to Tendi, right? Yes. Yeah. At the, at the time. The wide-eyed being on a Starfleet ship and all that, I said I related a little more to Mariner because I always feel like Mariner's like always up to something that's no good or whatever. But uh, <laughs> and then um, so, Katie, which character do you relate more to? I'm a hardcore Tendy, I think, because I'm always optimistic and excited and bright and ah, this is so cool. And the second like she walks on the ship, she's like, "This is so cool! Oh my gosh!" Like that, that totally would have been me. It totally like I t- completely related to her in that moment, and I've never stopped since. Absolutely. I I think sadly for me, the moment I realized I related to Tendi was the episode where she was like, I just want everyone to like me. Who doesn't like me? And I'm like, oh, oh, there. Yep. Okay. There we go. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and for me with Mariner, the thing I really like about her, I relate to is the fact that just, you know, dealing with in my job, you know, the corporate level and executives and all that stuff. And sometimes you just don't really want to be a part of that. You just want to kind of do your own thing. And so there's a lot of things I relate with her. So I want to get to her storyline because I loved it when her friend boards the ship and she's just like, Oh gosh, we're going to get a babysitter captain. Here comes the babysitter captain. And then it's her friend, Amina Ramsey. And they're just like, Hey, and they're besties and they're hugging. And here her friend who she went through Starfleet Academy with is already a captain Yet Mariner is still an ensign. And I'm like, is is Mariner on the Harry Kim plan or something? <laughs> Always an ensign, never anything else? What do you think about that, Katie? You know, I think I totally understand why Mariner is still an ensign. And I think it's just because she doesn't want to have the constraints of command. She doesn't like having to fit in. And she's more like the square trying to fit into a circle hole, like, she just likes where she's at. Whereas some other people, they have that drive to continue to succeed and grow and grow, whereas other people are comfortable with where they are. And so I think that just kind of shows the different paths people can take, even though they graduated from the academy at the same time. Some of them just have different personalities and drives. Yeah, I definitely would separate her from the Harry Kim mentality because she does not want to be promoted. Harry Kim did. He's just in such a circumstance that didn't allow him to supposedly I I feel like I feel like Janeway could have cut him some slack there but anyway um but yeah Mariner what I found really interesting was her friend says that at the academy she was voted most likely to make captain first like she was on this path of being you know the wunderkind right she was she was the really smart one who was going to go places 
but she has made the active decision and we've seen that play out where she's, you know, sabotaged a promotion opportunity because she doesn't want to uh, advance. She, she says in this episode that like, I feel like there's more to be done here as an ensign kind of thing. And I'm not ready or not, not ready, but just she doesn't feel that urge to climb the ranks because something has happened to make her see it all as like, you know, not important. And I feel like we're going to get some kind of indication. I feel like there's some singular incident that led her down this path that she's on now that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, I agree. And I think when you were saying that, it reminded me of Kirk not wanting to be promoted to Admiral because he felt he could do more as captain. We're here we have Mariner who feels like she can do more as an ensign, but I don't know if it's so much that she feels like for sure that that's really her calling because she makes a comment at the end of the episode of just trying to figure out what she wants to be. So she knows what she doesn't want to be, it sounds like, but she doesn't know what she wants to be. So it almost sounds to me as if she doesn't want to be a captain, although she doesn't rule that out, mm-hmm. but she's trying to figure it out. And she may figure out that Starfleet isn't for her, that her calling is somewhere else. And I would almost like to kind of see that. I don't want to see her off the show, but by the time the series ends, I would almost like to see that she has made the decision that there's something else that she should be doing that's outside of Starfleet. And I'd like to see what that would be. Yeah, that would be an interesting journey to see for sure. And, you know, this is a cartoon and it's starting to get heavy. <laughs> That's the thing with this episode. And and this is why I think I like this episode so much is so many of the previous episodes had to like establish where they are and the tone of the show and, you know, kind of check off the list of things they had to get done to like establish everything. This episode really feels to me like they're saying like, okay, we've established this universe. We know how things and how these characters relate. Let's have some fun with them. Them now and put them in situations and do some different things with them. And this episode really feels to me like, okay, these guys know how to write this show now. Like they've kind of gone through all of the, the pre-work and the exercises and now they're flexing their muscles and really going for it. See, and when the show first came out, everyone says, oh, this is so tropey. It's just everything that Star Trek is and like flipping it on its head and stuff like that. And I just, I, I originally thought, you know, they probably are doing this just to let you know this is the direction we're taking the show in. They aren't going to rely on past storylines or always holodeck or transporter malfunctions. They're going to take it in their own direction once it gets established. Mm-hmm. I love to draw similarities to the Orville. When it first came out, people were like, okay, so it's, it's going to be funny, ha, ha, ha. And then about halfway through the first season, it gets totally in its own. And I think that's where we're starting to see Lower Decks go is it's coming into its own and it's going to branch off in its own direction. Yeah, I feel that too. I, I remember thinking about the Orville too, as I was starting to watch this series. It's like, I, yeah, I feel like it's finding its own because when I go into this series and when I went into the Orville, I'm expecting both to be hilariously funny. And the Orville was funny, but it was, it was, I, I've heard people refer to it as a dramedy, you know, yeah. it's half comedy, half drama. And then I feel like it's gotten more and more drama and less comedy, which I wanted more comedy in it. And then coming into this series, there's a lot of comedy in it, which I enjoy. But I just I was surprised how much I don't I don't want to say drama necessarily, but like I'm saying, weight in story Mm -hmm. and and commentary 
on characters and situations that this is bringing, which feels very Star Trek. So I enjoy that. And I feel like it's it's really it does have something to say. It's just not poking fun at Star Trek. And I'm loving how much I'm caring about these characters. And I know this is something I've said in almost every episode, but like, you know, I really do honestly care about what happens to Mariner and her career choices and all of this stuff. And, you know, when they threaten to airlock Boimler, I'm actually worried for him. You know, he's not just a funny cartoon guy. He's, you know, someone I really genuinely care about the same as I would about, you know, Bones or Data or Burnham. You know, I love it. Did you care about the creature that feeds on electricity? I genuinely did once I saw its final (laughs) form. Because I was like, oh my gosh, encounter at Farpoint. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I totally freaked out. I was like, oh my gosh. And now I'm thinking in my head, is it, a, is it like a child of it? Is it a sport? How did this form? And blah, 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 blah. And I don't know, just a, the simple image of it made me actually care about it as a character. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I liked the, you know, to me, what what really got me was the animation. I think the uh, mm-hmm. the use of the environment as they're running through the ship and we see these tentacles kind of coming out of the walls and stuff. The animation was gorgeous. And then, like you said, seeing that final form that looked very similar to the encounter at Farpoint creature. Yeah, that was really cool. And the one throwaway line that like, you know, it's so Star Trek, but it was still so funny was we've determined that the creature is peaceful and intended no harm. And it's like, it just about killed everyone on that ship. But of course, of (laughs) course it's peaceful and intended no harm because this is Star Trek and that's always the lesson, right? I love that. Yeah. But now, you know, it's funny when you guys are talking about the creature and Katie, you're referring to encounter at Farpoint. I wasn't sure if that's really that same type of creature or just somewhat like it or whatever because dan you made the comment that it looks similar but do we we don't know do we no no i just i I looked at it i was like you know what i accept that it's not just a space jellyfish fish it's the encounter at farpoint jellyfish (laughs) (laughs) yeah i there's a there's a couple little differences but i i can accept that as you know i i like uh the idea that yeah maybe it's the the young version of it or something maybe it was just born like some it got infected in this ship and that's how it incubates or something yeah okay I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm down with that yeah i mean we don't need an exact answer i know there were some novels that had jellies and i'm now trying to think well maybe it could be one of the jellies in that or something i don't know there's all kinds of things that it could be but we don't really need to know what kind of creature it really is and if it's related to the encounter of Farpoint ones, but it can be and it couldn't be. But yeah, I had the same thought. I kept expecting Troy to show up, you know, <laughs> was it joy and gratitude? Wait, what did she say? Again? Great joy oh, and gratitude. <laughs> that was a spot on. That was scarily accurate right there. Oh, he's got more. He's got a lot of more like that. I uh, I don't have encyclopedic knowledge of a lot in this world, but for whatever reason, Star Trek, I've I've got it. <laughs> There's so many times that Dan comes up with something. He's like, where did that come from? Why do I know that? <laughs> you know, the other thing that it reminded me of until we saw its final form at the end, but when it was just busting through the, uh, the bulkheads and the flooring and stuff, the tendrils reminded me of that that white gooey creature that captured Archer and Trip, uh, Vox Sola oh, in no. Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that one. Yep. 
<laughs> I was like, oh, no, are they doing that? But uh, it turned out to be something very different. So When they were getting like wrapped up on the bridge, I can totally see that now. Mm-hmm. Well, and on that ship, we have Captain Dayton. Which I thought, oh, is Captain Dayton named after the Star Trek author Dayton Ward? And just this morning, I saw him post. No one asked him. He just puts a post saying, nope, that captain was not not named after me. (laughs) But it's not me. But, you know, it's like, how does he know? How does he really know? Hmm. (laughs) They call him up and say... Hey, dude, don't get too excited. It's not named after you. Aw, saddest phone call ever. (laughs) They got David Mack to do it because he's a Star Trek author that was consulting on the show. So they're like, David, you call Dayton and you tell him it's it's not him. It's it's not. And David Mack's probably like, ooh, I'm going to have fun with this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a there's a novel, a Deep Space Nine novel in which there's a Dr. Gunther and this was after we'd been doing literary treks for some time. And I've, I've just been too scared to ask because I don't want to know the answer if it's not. Like, I was like, was that, was that? No, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I'm just going to, like, appreciate it. That's cool. Yeah, there was a novel. I think it was this past year, and I don't even remember which novel it was, but there was a Gibson. And I remember thinking, could it be after me? And we had the author on the show. And again, I don't remember who it was, but they never mentioned anything. So I was like, I guess it's not. Because I would think they would say, oh, by the way, Bruce, did you catch something in there? Yeah, Yeah, that's kind of what I was waiting for with the other novel as well, but that it didn't happen. And I was like, I don't want to ask because, you know. Well, we didn't talk that much about Captain Ramsey. And I don't know who that's named after, but there's a Ramsey out there that Captain Ramsey was named after. Gordon Ramsey. There you go, Gordon. (laughs) (laughs) I just wish she was cooking something at least once in this episode. But what'd you think of this character? Because to me, I mean, I like her character, but she's just more there to bring out more from uh, Mariner. I really liked her energy. I I thought uh, the the person who played her did an amazing job. And I kind of looked her up and and I haven't seen her in anything, but she's been in a bunch of other stuff before too. And I I really liked the attitude she brought. And I think my favorite moment is she almost breaks the fourth wall when the, the regular captain, Captain Freeman and her staff are calling in from their secret mission. And she's like, we might be called upon to plant these seeds at any time. And, you know, closes the channel and she kind of turns around she's like wow they might plant seeds sounds like a really important mission and i'm like she's the first (laughs) character on lower decks to like call this out for being as ridiculous as it is and i really enjoyed that i thought that was a great moment well and i love the character design because i feel like her and mariner they could be sisters like they just they seem i i just it's such a good character design you could see them as being best friends and almost like sisters and it just there's something about the character design in the show that's just clicking immediately yeah i think that ramsey is mariner if mariner would have taken that path yeah. absolutely yeah. oh totally and that's what they could have been drawing off of by making them look so similar is like yeah this is what you could be or this is what you could be if you didn't want to be captain. Yeah, and Mariner's my favorite character in this series. I mean, I love them all, but she's my favorite character. And I was getting really frustrated and disappointed as this episode was playing out because the thing I love about her is she does know what she's doing. She just has decided not to take that step up the ladder. But then she was messing things up, forgetting the tricorders or hitting the wrong button or whatever it was. And I was like, 
this is not her character. She would know better than this. And then we come to find out through her exchange with her friend that she's purposely sabotaging this because she knows that her friend is going to offer her a first officer position on her ship. And she doesn't think she wants it. So she's trying to dissuade her from asking her, which I thought was brilliant. Well, I, when it first started out, we didn't know that. I just was like, what are the writers thinking? You right. just exactly. established her over the past six episodes as being a competent, kick-butt, amazing character. And now you're just taking that all away. What are you doing? And I actually, I got a little bit mad. But then at the end, they wrap it all up. It's like, okay, fine. You were punking me this whole episode. I see what you were doing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where I was at too. That's why like partway through uh, both, both her and the Boimler story, I was like, this, this isn't right. Like this isn't, something's not adding up here. And I, that should have been my first clue, right? That like, oh, okay, this is, you know, she's taking a dive as they say. Right. So, uh, but yeah, I I love that turnaround. I feel like that there's some sort of, I feel like maybe a, um, a writer's trick that I've never learned that like challenging expectations and frustrating the watcher slash reader and then like turning it around, like releases that anxious energy to make you really like the thing. I'm like, did they just like hack my brain to make me really like this episode? Because all of that, like, Oh, what's going on? I don't like this got suddenly turned into, Oh, I love this episode. This is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Like the last five minutes, you're just flooded with joy and relief. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, because as we're going back and talking about that ship, the farm, they're saying the ship is the farm. And it's. I'm just thinking, I can't imagine Starfleet would do this. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And then yeah. we actually, no, there is a farm and look how beautiful it is. And, oh, you know, Boimler wants to get a massage, but he's not a freak anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, I, yeah, I, I really liked it. Katie, so give us your final thoughts on this episode. I think it's by far my favorite because you get to see the four main lower deck characters doing what they do and whether it be kind of flubbing it up like we're seeing with Mariner or Boimler or if they're actually doing what they're supposed to do like Tendi. Like I think it just all came together so beautifully and it's definitely the top one on my list. Wow. That's saying a lot there, Dan. What do you think? Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode as well. If, if it's not my top episode, it's kind of tied for it. I, I really enjoy this episode. I thought it was great. I'm curious what you guys, we, we kind of have this thing on the show where we try to suss out the deeper meaning of the episode because Star Trek always has a lesson that it wants to teach us. And I feel like for me, the deeper meaning of this episode, what I got from it is the importance of clear communication Mm -hmm. because like with the, with the case of Mariner, if she'd have just told her captain friend at the beginning, like, I'm happy to help you. You'll get my best. I don't want to be offered anything. She probably would be like, okay, cool. You know, that's fine. Maybe tried to talk her out of it, but would respect that. And then with the division 14 stuff, you know, if the captain had come clean and said like, no, we are going here to this planet. Here's, here's where it is. Here's what you'll get when you get there, blah, blah, blah. Don't worry. You know, I know it seems, you know, whatever, like they could have worked that situation out. That's clear communication, very important in an organization like Starfleet. So, uh, but yeah, really top episode. I would give this episode a rating of an extended stay at the farm. So a very good rating. (laughs) 
Great. Yeah. Katie, what lesson did you learn from this episode? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head with the communication thing, because it's when I look at a Star Trek episode, I think, how could we avoid the conflict or the issue that they're facing? And in both of the storylines, it's solid communication. And honestly, in real life, solid communication could help out with so much. So I think, you know what, they're just pulling on modern times saying, you know, you know what, just talk out what you're meaning. And uh, they put it into an episode and it just worked beautifully. Yeah, one of the things I got out of it was things aren't as they seem. And I mean, communication is definitely one of those pieces. But I also thought, you know, Boimler is not in total phase. And I feel like the whole episode isn't in total phase to us as the viewer, meaning that, you know, we're not seeing Mariner the way we think we should be seeing her as. She's acting differently, but there's a reason for that. We see when we get on the uh, the farm ship how things are and things aren't as we expected them to be. Then we find out they are more like we thought they were to be. So there's a lot of deceiving things going on this episode, including Tendi making a dog and the dog isn't quite what a dog should be. So there's a lot of things like that where it should be like something, but it's not exactly, or maybe it is. (laughs) So there's a lot of confusion into that. And of course, to avoid confusion would be communications for sure. So I really enjoyed this episode. I don't know if it's my favorite. I haven't really thought about it because the more episodes we add, it's harder for me to figure out what a favorite is. Mm -hmm. I would definitely give this four and a half out of five massages at the farm. Very nice. I'd take four and a half out of five massages. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I might go do that today. As a matter of fact, that sounds pretty good. (laughs) Katie, Where can people find you online if they want to see what you're up to and hear what you have to say about Star Trek Lower Decks? Absolutely. So you can always follow me at weather underscore Katie on Twitter and Instagram and kind of on Facebook too. Uh, But that you might occasionally get Sioux City, Iowa weather. But if you want to just get the geeky stuff, follow me. Uh, you can follow me on YouTube. I do a show that I'm trying to get off the ground now with a lot of editing. And my channel is So Many Fandoms. It's the one that doesn't have a ton of followers. And uh, the abbreviation is SMF. So if you want to see what videos I'm doing, interact, that's probably the best place to do it. Cool. I'm writing that down. I want to check it out. I haven't seen that yet. So. Yeah. Dan. You know, I know how to find you, but not everybody else does. (laughs) Well, if you do want to find me, uh, a good place to do that is on Twitter. I'm at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. You can also find my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. And uh, yeah, those that's kind of the main things I'm doing right now. Great. And then you can find me recently on the Star Wars Report, where Riley and I reviewed the trailer to season two of The Mandalorian, Ooh. plus some other Star Wars things. And Katie and Dan, you've been on Star Wars Report with me before, yeah. so that's been pretty fun. See, it all comes full circle, everyone. It all comes full <laughs> circle. And I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. And I like to refer to this episode of Lower Decks as being freaks and geeks. If you remember that show back back in the day, but that's what this show uh, episode is to me is freaks and geeks. So thanks everyone for joining us. And until next time, live long and prosper and stay positive. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.